Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Thursday's... Bastard. Bastard. <laughs> you just get going. I know. It's expected now. I think I've ever seen you do an intro, right? <laughs> <laughs> on, you've not done an intro that I haven't laughed through. For one reason or another. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Sked and we've got a lower league bonanza today. With me is Sean McGuigan. Hello. And Craig, or not, Craig Cairns. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I wasn't was... sure that, that that stuttering is something that you usually do anyway, so I wasn't sure if that was a joke or you had actually had stuttered. You'll never know. <laughs> You'll never know. There'll be plenty of stuttering and uh, slash jokes coming up uh, throughout the next hour or so. We are just going to delve straight in. We're going to talk about um, a number of teams uh, over the three leagues, starting with Dundee United. What a caper! <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. Falkirk fans were of the opinion that when Paul Hartley was there, they they used to say that it was it appeared that he was picking the team out of a, a tombola. Uh, I think uh, Lajlo did something similar but for added excitement he would also climb inside uh, Tom Bowler and then just pass out raffle tickets to Laurie Ellis who was like standing like burling the handle imploring him to come out uh, it, it, it's been chaos almost as, as soon as he arrived and at, at no point did it look like it was getting any better Do you know how many players have played a minute at least uh, saw game time this season for Dundee United? I know uh, the answer I think you're going to tell us yes Do you want to have a guess? So just this season well, Just, I, I just this season even, I mean Hearts have used what, 22 or 23 or something And yeah. they've been pretty successful So I'm going to guess That it's more than that I'll go for about 27 I hope I haven't ruined your stat By going over it No 13 <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Dumbarton You're thinking of <laughs> 31 Oh really? Wow. 31 players So I thought last season That they used quite a lot They used 39 last season Which again that is, That's a lot for a season 31 And we're just into October and, and yeah, he seems to be picking teams that are, are getting. Not only does he not know his best starting eleven, his starting eleven appears to be getting progressively worse every time he, he, like, he picks one. Yeah. So I mean, and not inv- I appreciate he had injuries as well, but so the people that weren't involved, I certainly didn't play. Uh, so Callum Booth was on the bench. I know there is a bit of debate about whether or not he's a better left back than Jamie Robson. I think. I, I think he is, and judging by the highlights at the weekend, surely, the header surely, that he missed was hilarious. Surely, surely that confirms that Callum Booth will be a better choice at left back. Uh, Sam Wardrop hasn't been involved. Uh, Nicky Clark, I think, is injured. Sam mm-hmm. Stanton was on the bench. Mm-hmm. Fraser Fivey was on the so bench. He's, but lost I he's coming back. And who else was it to injury? So I mean, yeah, a few of them have been injured, but it's been fairly settled for the last month and a half or so, is it not? 
the, 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 the fact he's used 31 players would <laughs> suggest possibly <laughs> I mean he certainly didn't know who his best goalkeeper was and watching Rakovan uh, in the few matches that I've seen in the United this season uh, it's no wonder because he, I mean, he's been the one that he's picked most often I can't remember the other guy's name but um, you saw the goal that he let in at the weekend with Kelly's free kick it just went through him um, he looked like he was he looked like he was a veteran cricket player who was playing in the, the slips and he just couldn't get down uh, because of arthritis it was it was occasionally difficult to work out exactly who was who because the cam- Ross County's camera was so far away they looked like they set up at Dens Park so I wasn't always entirely sure which uh, which Dundee United player was, was being inept every time I looked at the screen <laughs> so but, it, sorry, it was no surprise uh, he, was, he was sacked uh, it, was, it was no surprise he was sacked after the 5-1 defeat I mean he could have been sacked after the 6-1 defeat to Falkirk he also drew with Breakham he got about 3-0 at home to Morton 3-0 at Queen of the South there was the Willow Flood meltdown at uh, in the playoffs and not forgetting the nonsense they've served up in the, the various cup competitions why Why they failed to beat Aloe at three attempts this <laughs> season as well and they got beat in by Crusaders in the in the Challenge Cup last season but I think Lazlo did play a 2-0 down to St Johnston under 20s uh, a few Every, weeks yeah. ago as well so why has it taken so long for them to get rid of Lazlo money and they've changed their manager so often in recent times and I think the, the chairman wanted it was the first big decision that the chairman had made and I think he wanted to give it as much time as possible to see if he could um, turn it around and to be fair they're not in a terrible position I mean, they're not St Mirren of uh, two seasons ago. Uh, they're actually quite nicely poised for somebody to come in, give them a kick up the arse and, um, and, and, and put in a decent challenge, whether it's for the title or to, to, to secure a playoff spot. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think the league position is necessarily why he's been sacked. It's, it's, it, that was just one of those performances that managers manager just doesn't come back from. The, Ross County scored the same goal over and over again. They just cut them open so easily, put the ball across the six-yard box, and it was a tap. And all of them were tap-ins, other than uh, Kelly's uh, free kick. So, yeah, I think it was the manner of that performance and result. It looked like the players had just given up on their manager uh, rather than the actual league position. Because, like I say, I mean, they should be higher. They should probably be... Closer to the top, if not at the top, but uh, they're not in a shockingly bad position. Well, I, I, I wondered if he, if maybe over the summer, he convinced his his bosses that maybe if he was given time to build his own team over the summer, uh, could impart his own system onto them, a kind of new group of players, and, and things would have been different this time around. But I mean, even as soon as he came in last season, I know when he arrived, there was a big thing about how his uh, his post game. Uh, his post game interviews were so quotable, and he was, you know, he was a good laugh. And I, I, I think it was his second rambling interview, and I just thought, I am really bored of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think thought, I'll, I'll have to put up with you for about seven minutes every Saturday evening. And I, I imagine having to listen to you five days a week. I think Fowler was at his first game back, or one of the first few anyway. And I remember he like put on our WhatsApp group that first question, <laughs> six minute answer. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, I mean, you only need you only you only need thirty seconds of quotes or something for your article. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, Fowler said he, it was that it was it got to one point where it was worried about missing his train. <laughs> but you, you, there's um, there's been a lot. We'll get into the reasons why it's gone so wrong for for Laszlo. But touching on that aspect of it, Paul Quinn, Paul Quinn was in the press uh, blaming uh, absolute everything for Dundee United's Well, mess. he's blaming his training methods and he referenced Scott McDonald. Yeah, was, and, yeah. and I think that, I mean, it might be true that um, Laszlo's methods <clears throat> sap the energy out of uh, the team, but I'd want more of a source than Scott McDonald, to be honest. Yeah, because uh, this is a man who actively avoids uh, pre-season in the, in the latter years. So he said, overall, the results haven't been good. A lot of that must have been coming from the training ground and the energy-sapping nature of training they've got the best result blah 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 but I refer to Scott McDonald who said the former manager sapped the energy out of, out of him Shabba wanted to train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday, Friday he said a day off on a Sunday and a Wednesday would be amateur I don't know what that was saying to the rest of us who've had good careers and are used to one day off a week or the sports scientists, scientists who say you need rest and sleep 
Shabba's training was tactical. It was long and it was every day. We became long, tactical, and with no tempo comes out. I don't know why he's, argue, why he's complaining that it's tactical. Surely that's a good thing. I mean, maybe, like, okay, he's, he's maybe got a point that they're being overworked or it's like, um, it's laborious. For the same reasons that uh, Roy Hodgson got um, criticised when he went to Liverpool, the kind of the, the, the players there found it boring and they didn't like the kind of ropes that they were tied to to kind of keep shape and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, he's maybe got a point with that, but th- I, I find it curious that he moans that there was, there was, there was two tactics. Tactical. The training was too tactical. For what you see on a Saturday, it looks like it wasn't tactical enough. <laughs> they needed to spend even more time on tactics. I saw them. I went to Tanadice when they played Partick Thistle and they got a 3 1 win. Uh, but a lot of the fans still weren't happy with the performance because there was large parts of the game where they weren't very good. They scored one goal from a set piece quite early, didn't play very well after that, and effectively sealed the game through another set piece. Um, but I spent quite a while trying to figure out the formation because it was weird and it was like they, they made uh, three or four formation switches within the game as well it was uh, it was really tough to, to, to keep up and I don't know whether that was something that he was doing every game uh, those in-game changes but um, in that game yeah it was it was, it was was very strange Loemba played for uh, three or four different positions um, Aird uh, has played kind of left wing Right midfield, right back. He was definitely right back on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it has been uh, a bit all over the place. Even though earlier I said it seemed to be a bit settled, but I think that I think the the core players that he was using was a bit settled towards the end. Um, yeah, maybe he's just kind of like moving them about a lot. I think they have a core that could be successful. I, I don't know. Even even if they had all the decent players playing in the right positions and playing well, with a manager that knows what they're doing. Whether they'd be good enough to maybe finish above Ross County in a season, and I know United's top at the moment, whether they would they would kind of sustain a, a challenge, I don't know. But that's still that United team should still be there or thereabouts coming into the season. Certainly a top end, certainly uh, challenging for the playoffs. And I think as long as they get the next appointment right, which bear in mind, Dungeon United generally get all of their appointments wrong or have done for the last few years, I think it should still be okay as long as they get the next one right. The uh, so. In terms of looking at their, their squad in, in general, you, you've got to agree that, to be fair, the team that started against Ross County, there's uh, there's a great mix of, yep, recognised name, and who the fuck is he? <laughs> so they've got Matty Rakovan, Frederick Frongs, uh, Paul McMullen, Craig Curran, Pavel Savranko. Savranko, yeah, he's a striker, he looks like he's got yeah, he something looks, about him. Okay. Jamie Robson, Rashid Bohena, Christoph Rabic, Fraser Ayard, Paul Watson and Yannick Loemba. I, th- I think Rabbit seems wild. I think yes, he, I think he likes a challenge. Yeah, he's he's kind of like your uh, kind of yeah midfielder that kind of defensive midfielder that breaks up the play. Yeah. Um, the only issue is is that does he actually break up the play because <laughs> uh, there was buses being drove at Edrun for the the Dun United midfield um, on Saturday. Well, I don't know whether it was just because he was next to Adam Barton, but there was a f- it wasn't a few weeks ago, only a few weeks ago. Um, I think some Dun United fans were saying that he was coming on to a bit of a game. Uh, and Adam Barton was disliked even when Dundee United were winning games. He really hasn't. Uh, the fans really haven't taken to him. Um, he, he looks like he's con- just continued his his, his, his fl- the form he showed towards the end of his time at Partick Thistle. Because remember how good he was the first season yeah. he was at Partick Thistle. It's it's crazy how much uh, his form dropped off a cliff. Um, who else was it that mentioned? Bo- Boena, Boena, or something like Boena. that. Rashid Boena. I haven't seen much of him, but uh, he looked awful in the, uh, the highlights versus Ross County. I mean, you're hard pushed to find somebody who didn't look awful from Dundee United in those highlights. I, I liked when I liked when they signed Barton, and in Patrick Thistle fans kind of rushed to tell Dundee United fans, by the way, he's absolutely awful. And most Dundee United fans said, well, actually, we'll form our own opinion, but thanks for that. And after about half an hour, they're like, He's awful. <laughs> I wonder what the the gentleman in the picture on the BBC uh, screaming at Laszlo to go that was shared uh, shared around a lot. Was that the guy? His head looks like a bread bin. <laughs> yeah. Or the letter C. <laughs> the odd looking chap. And he looks. Oh, he doesn't look like he's uh, eating as much bread as in just he eats sugar. That's all. No, presumably he's happy. And that, that's the main thing. Well, he didn't look happy in that picture. No, he will be there. Sure, my goodness. <laughs> so, looking at Loemba as well, I have to add. Um, he looks like the kind of guy that's got something about him, but he's like, like your typical kind of mercurial winger. And I'd, I'd, again, from what I've seen, it doesn't look like he's delivered enough. But he looks like when he's on his game, he's one of those kind of game-changing players. And in terms of um, what next, 
the names, some of the names have been touted: uh, uh, Robbie Nielsen, Jim McIntyre. There's talk about Barry Robson, who's managing, uh, sorry, coaching at Aberdeen. They could do a lot worse than give Laurie Ellis it to the end yeah. of the season or I mean, something. I mean, depending on how he gets on the next couple of games. Apparently, he was encouraged to apply for the job last last year when Lazlo took uh, took over. So obviously, one of the two games he was in caretaker charge. Yeah, he them to the top of the league yeah, when he was caretaker last season. Apparently, I think it was uh, in the uh, Dundee Telegraph. It was said that he felt it was, he was too inexperienced and it was too soon for him. So that's how they ended up going down the route of Laszlo. I mean, but now he's been be given there. a chance. He's, he's, I think he's been given a chance now. Right, OK. Because, I mean, he'd obviously be the cheaper option. I mean, Dundee United, as we know, aren't flushing money at the moment and uh, need to be getting back up to the to the Premiership to kind of sort of that. 72 players. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Ellis would obviously be a cheaper option. The other two names that have been kind of quite prominent in the press have been... Nielsen and McIntyre who both have experience of getting teams out of there Nielsen has is still getting paid from MK Dons so right. that affects the next job he takes however according to uh, a New Hearts podcast uh, one of the guys on that was saying he texted Nielsen about the Dundee United job and Nielsen replied with a gif of two people jumping in the car and crashing and he said that was, and then typed uh, me and McIntyre on our way to Dundee, which suggests that both would be keen on the job. Jim McAnally, uh, that um, experienced, fantastic, uh, really successful Peterhead manager, was touting um, Billy McKinley. So I'm going to guess Mike Martin, the Dundee United chairman, best not listen to him. Ellis, I mean, Ellis spent uh, so long at Ruth Rovers. So he's, he's, just, he's, a, he's just a nice, quiet, unassuming guy. Whether actually a kind of management position would be something he would be after, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's somebody who would prefer maybe being a number two or an assistant I'm, I'm not sure in terms of Robbie Nielsen I, I'm quite interested to see how he gets on at his next job because you know he done I thought he done particularly well at Hearts he done particularly poorly at MK Dons it's interesting to see how much of a, an influence maybe Craig Levine was uh, on his time at Hearts mm-hmm. so I'm interested to see how he gets on as his own man kind of second time around at his next club I don't know is it, is it, is it fair to say that Dundee United are in a bit more of a mess than Hearts were when they went down I mean because remember Hearts were a bit of a mess as well that relegation yeah. season but it's obviously the resources were, were there to kind of to, to turn it around they just needed somebody a, a good manager to do it and, they, I mean, they re, sorry they completely re, rebuilt the Hearts whereas <clears throat> Dundee United look there you've, like we've mentioned they've got the uh, a core that you can build around I think I think they've got a decent squad in terms of uh, in terms of comparison to Hearts. I mean, the, the thing that Dungeon United don't have on their side as much as Hearts were in the league same season as Rangers. The Championship's had some odd teams in it recently. So Hearts, Rangers, Hibs, all of those teams are particularly big, and you would never think they would be in the second tier of Scottish football. Uh, Dungeon United aren't a massive club. You would you would say they are slightly bigger than Falkirk, they're slightly bigger than Dunfermline, but they're not. They don't have the huge advantage in terms of budgets and crowds yeah. uh, that Hearts, Hibs and Rangers had over the history. Yeah, yeah, maybe not the yeah. You're right. Maybe not the other things that you're listing there. So as much as you're kind of expecting Dan United to get out of this soon, they kind of you know they, they have to kind of do ASAP or eventually they are just going to become a kind of championship club. So what would your 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 tip be to the man who does take over? Would it be build a team round November? Would it be get Paul Sturrock out of there because apparently he's undermines Laszlo Paul, Paul, Paul Quinn? Would it be get rid of the twenty five or twenty mile radius, or would it be um, tear down all the tear down all posters, the gym, so, posters all, of Jim, Jim McLean and the success of Dundee United legends, which I heard somebody mention recently. Paul Quinn, <laughs> it was a Paul. Quinn. Yeah, that's every, every he went through every uh, just it just eviscerated every angle of Dundee United. Just I think there's a lot to be said for just playing players in the position that they're, they're most suited. Uh, I know we're going to talk about Wraith soon. That's essentially what John McGlynn did at the weekend, and suddenly the win for the first time ever. Wraith Rovers look like what they actually are—a full-time team in a, in a part-time league. There just there seems to be no rhyme or reason to, to their starting eleven week in week out. And then, as, as Craig said, they, they, they change it two or three times during the game. A bit of stability. I mean, they've scored goals this season. I think it's only two teams in the league scored more than United, Ayr, and Queen of the South, maybe. But I, it's just I, defensively that they've conceded so many. If they can sort that out, three then clean they're probably sheets in fourteen, and that's where a lot of Laszlo's. Um, a lot of Laszlo's success at Hearts was was based on clean sheets. And when they got back-to-back victories a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago or so, and I thought, or maybe that's maybe he's kind of going to settle and maybe not win spectacularly, but start chalking up some, some wins. But no, I mean, I think when he's based his success on clean sheets in this country in the past, and 
with that kind of record, I mean, I think he was never he was never going to be a success after that. That didn't really make sense, but I think there was a point there somewhere. <laughs> I'll let the listeners decide for that. <laughs> Moving on, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Rafe Rovers and John McGlynn, the man, the only man who can pull off a, a, tra- a tracksuit and suit combo. I was, and a baseball cap. I was, it come out on Saturday. Wait, you're forgetting about uh, Brian Robson. <laughs> Oh, that, that was that was a full strip. That's uh, that, that's a that's a different level. Well, it was a suit from the waist up and uh in shorts and yeah. and socks and boots because he was player manager. <laughs> when when McGlynn came out the, the tunnel on Saturday, and he, and he came over the Rovers fans, kind of clapped, and then he was walking towards the dugout, and I was looking at him, and he had those glasses that kind of changed colour, and then he had we had a baseball cap and a tracksuit and a kind of tracksuit jacket that was too long in his sleeve, so it's kind of covering about three quarters of his hands, and I was laughing at him and thinking to myself, actually. Because when he was appointed, I was quite chuffed, but I must admit, at the end of his tenure last time around, I was kind of glad to see the back of him. I kind of thought, I think managers sometimes have a shelf life at a football club, and I thought he'd reached his uh, last time around at Stats. Just because was, of his wardrobe? Uh, well, just because he well, that and... Uh, <laughs> there were no more Hearts players to loan. And I was I, I, well, I was fed up of just watching forwards chase fullbacks to the corner flag and then lose 1-0. It wasn't, wasn't a particularly exciting brand of football to watch. But I was kind of laughing at his appearance uh, on Saturday, and I'd only just looked up, and then Laurie Ellis was right. Uh, Laurie uh, Lewis Vaughan was right through just to keep it a beat. That's what I I watched the highlights uh, earlier on today, and wanted to ask you how Rafe Rovers have transformed into a mixture of Brazil nineteen seventy, <laughs> the Dutch of seventy four, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, and the Scottish Premiership League leaders, current league leader, league leaders, uh, because none of those clubs have to play Dumbarton. <laughs> yeah, so that helped Dumbarton and the wind. We, yeah, we did have the advantage of the win. However, I mean, we yeah. did play it on the deck, uh, which McGlynn alluded to after the game, because I think somebody said, oh, what was the, was there an impact of the, the, the wind conditions? And he says, well, we did play decent football, we did score, we did score good goals, and they had a point. It was obviously they were right up for the game, uh, right for the word go. And I think, I don't know if Barry Smith was the most popular man uh, in the dressing room. Yeah, so uh, how... how before we get into Ken McGlynn and uh, the, the win at the weekend, mm-hmm. how did it come about that Smith effectively left left his post? Because there was one point that he looked like he was on the verge of being sacked, and then uh, he did quite well, and then he just left. Well, they basically they played well for about a hundred minutes this season up until Saturday, which was the last ten minutes of the Erdre game when they came back for three one down and went four three, and then they were pretty good against Forfa uh, the next week when they won four 0 uh, Smith and resigned on the Tuesday and the, the, the story goes that a supporters club had submitted £15,000 uh, Smith thought he would get to use that and bring in another player and he was told that he couldn't and that was uh, the kind of straw that broke the camel's back it's of a relationship that's been particularly poor uh, between the board and Smith so that's basically how he apparently that's how he uh, came to leave the club and then McGlynn uh, brought in about um, four five three players three players, <laughs> three players and an assistant because that, that's the thing as well so when McGlynn was there last time around he never ever had a full time uh, assistant manager he, he, made, that. he made that a condition of him getting the mm-hmm. job this time didn't he he yeah. said I'm, I'm bringing Paul Smith with me if I, if I get the job basically and I'm also presuming that we to attract any type of kind of calibre to, to the role we, we would have to see it done and you will have some kind of budget to, to bring more players mm-hmm. in I think there may have been even been a, a sense that they weren't necessarily trusting a Smith when it comes to handing them more money it seemed uh, obsessed with bringing in central midfielders or, or strikers and that wasn't areas of the park that, that we needed strength and McGlynn seems to have identified that early so goalkeeper was a kind of prerequisite because as usual we managed to injure one and Kieran Wright we didn't have a left back at the club uh, we brought in Callum Crane which I, I think is a, a smashing sign and I was hoping we would get him in the summer anyway and they brought back uh, Reagan Henry who looked decent in a loan spell last season also had Grant Gillespie uh, is injured for probably another three months, so there is a kind of bonus. Uh, uh, no, he's been good. He's been good this season. So, so we, there was a, a, a vacant space in the middle of the park, and, and Henry was excellent. Henry was very good. And McGlynn has <clears throat> possibly more so than Smith really good contacts within the game, simply because of where he's worked. Uh, he's came from came from Celtic. Uh, has a good relationship with Hearts. I'm, I'm guessing he's got a very good relationship with Levine. So obviously, you've seen that with uh, Silva coming in. He's managed at um, Livingston before, got craned from there, and obviously bringing Reagan Henry back. I was reading an interview with him today in the Evening News, uh, Edinburgh Evening News. It was, it, was, it was 
quite an insightful insightful read. But it's, it's it started by saying silence in the Starks Park uh, Starks Park re- reception area is broken by a director's footsteps on the stony floor. What a feeling about this place with him back. Were you there on Saturday? I've not seen us play like that for years. It's it's very Fife. Uh, it's written in a written in a very <laughs> Fife way. Uh, however, that's what one thing that was noticeable was how sharp, quick, and incisive it was. McGlynn was talking about how he when his job. In his role with Celtic, that he was going round, I think he was looking at opponents. So he's been around all around Europe, uh, looking at opponents. I don't know if he's done a bit of scouting in terms of players. So do you think that's uh, that's that's had an had an effect on him? Because it was quite dour before. I'm interested to see what effect this had on him. So as I say, when I left Rafe, I wasn't overly disappointed to see him go because it was it was dour. Uh, since then, he's obviously had an experience with Hearts. He's had the experience with Livingston. He's spent is it four or five years uh, with Celtic. So I'll be interested to see if that's. You know, it's kind of added more strings to his bow whether in terms of tactics or how you know how the training goes. I did, funnily enough, I did actually ask. Uh, I know one of the board members, uh, and I said to him on Saturday night, "I goes, what what has this week been like? And, you know, has he had any effect?" And that's exactly what he said. Because it's been night night and day. He goes, the the coaching staff. He goes, even like the you know the staff in the office. He goes, the players. He goes, everybody's. He goes, he's made, he's made such a positive difference to, to everybody. Yeah. And then the Wraith fans singing as well. Uh, uh, the C&G Energy Systems <laughs> Arena or whatever the fuck it's called it looked like there was a good big following ah yeah and then there definitely wouldn't have been without the appointment of McGlynn and it was the first time it's the first time I've seen them uh, singing virtually the whole game since he drew 2-2 at Tannadice which was right at the start of Gary Locke's uh, tenure so, so no singing since then why was I was one thing that surprised me was speaking to yourself Andy <clears throat> and uh, my boss at work who's a Rafe, Rafe Rovers fans there, there was a a positivity about him coming back, and which was cons- uh, was weird because, like you said, you were kind of see- glad to see the back of him because of the dour football. And eventually, but if you think about actually what he achieved at the club, so we we won the third tier under him. Uh, the season after that, we got to the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. The season after that, we finished runner-up to Dunfermline, and we had a chance of winning the league with still maybe four games to go. So those first, well, it wasn't his first three seasons because he had another couple of years. Dunfermline absolutely scooshed at that yeah. year, didn't they? Uh, so he had a couple of years where he was turning the club around after the Anelka and uh, Gordon Dale uh, debacle. So, I mean, he, he really he kind of dragged the club up by the bootstraps and almost got them into the, the Premiership. It kind of tailed off. Uh, and that they so we were kind of punching above our weight, playing a fairly bland style of football, and then eventually we were kind of grubbing about at the bottom of the championship, playing the same style of football. So eventually, I'd kind of had enough. But I think he's he's come back to the club in a far better state than he found them in post mm-hmm. Anelka. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm I'm up until his appointment, I wasn't overly confident that they would that they would finish above our growth. But now I'm, I'm reasonably reasonably confident. I had I had no idea that he'd won he won the 2011. Uh, PFA Manager of the Year. Um, uh, there's the season, oddly, because that was the season they finished second, I think. I remember it was the same finals as the Scottish Cup. Yeah, I I think so. We certainly didn't win anything that yeah. season, but yeah, he was the Manager of the Year. I was, um, I was going to ask uh, in my my best Simon and uh, Ferry impression what the dressing rooms like, but you've uh, kind of touched on that already. So we'll move on to our both who Rafe Rovers play this weekend and top of the table classers, four points between them. Both teams unbeaten. Both teams unbeaten. Wraith unbeaten. A stupid amount of games at home as well. In the, the last uh, last time we lost at home in the league, Gary Locke was the manager. It was his final game. It was uh, a 1-0 loss to Morton. And we ended the game playing a 2-3-5 formation. And Mark Stewart, a forward, was one of the defensive two. <laughs> <laughs> of course. The, um, we, we've spoken we've spoken quite a lot about our growth because we've had, we've had that, uh, Danny on and be, because he started so well this he's season he's broken to the team now he's broken yeah he almost scored a, a worldly uh, worldly I'm not going to say that again he almost scored a screamer on Saturday he came on and assisted the first goal but one thing that's possibly changed since we last talked about our growth is that the la- last two fixtures <clears throat> They've gone in the half time, one nil behind. Mm-hmm. And and came back. The, I mentioned the wind in the Dumbarton Wraith game. I think it caused havoc in quite a lot of lower league games over the weekend, and that was another one where it did. And even the Airdrie manager said that he knew at half time they probably had had to have scored more than one goal to get away from that game with anything. And uh, yeah, so basically the team that had the wind at their back for each half dominated the game and our both managed to put the ball in the net um, a few more times than, than Airdrie did but yes you're right that's two games in a row now um, they've 
gone behind before that I think they've won all but one game that they've drawn and even then it was a last minute goal by Dumbarton and a game that they should have been way further ahead but yes the last two matches they've gone a goal behind and they've still they've still dug it out uh, uh, used, their, used their, their squad to do so as well and just touch I just want to briefly go back to the Rafe Rovers game just touching on the wind do you think the wind had anything to do with I think it was the third goal where uh, one Dumbarton player kicked it into the uh, other Dumbarton player's face uh, no, I think it's because Dumbarton aren't very good. <laughs> There's so, one where Kyle Hutton just like does absolutely nothing at a corner as well. There's like, ah, oh, man, every time I see you that, you just had to sort of stop at nothing, and that was accurate <laughs> for Kyle Hutton. Funnily enough, Dumbarton. I know, I know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but Dungeon United. Uh, sorry, Dumbarton were reminiscent of Dungeon United at the weekend. They looked like a team that had basically abandoned uh, playing for the manager, and I'm kind of surprised that. Aitken rather than being dismissed this week was given more money to spend I think he's probably got that excuse of all the all the injuries and things like that but he's, he, he couldn't every Saturday he seems to have a, a, a different excuse to start with it was that Dumbarton were uh, uh, they were now at the, everybody had it in for Dumbarton because they were seen as a big team so mm-hmm. people were kind of raising their game at playing Dumbarton then uh, it was to, to now it's to do with, with injuries basically do you think they're working too hard on the, on the railway line uh, I don't think working night shift or shift work in general some of which is night shift helps them because I think I think they have eight or nine of the squad are, are working for CNG and some kind of shift capacity which I can't imagine helps a, a footballer coming Saturday afternoon we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll speak to more about locomotive Dunbar <laughs> uh, in, in the coming weeks but going back going back to our growth what they've, they've only in fact they've only <clears throat> kept two clean sheets in in eight games is that is that going to be their downfall you said that you still fancy Rafe Rovers to to win the league to finish above them so do you think that's how Rafe can drag them in just because they have that we've compared them to air from last season where they score loads of goals but they have the capacity to concede as well I think I think this season they're far better going forward than they are defensively last season might not necessarily quite as much I think defensively they were a bit sounder last year I still think looking at in terms of why I think I'm more confident that Wraith Rovers will win the league looking at it now is realistically I think I'd brought up you know how you do the thing where you think about what players if you if you selected the best of both teams who would you know who would get in the team I, I think I'd brought have got three players that would get into the Wraith Rovers team I think Jason Thompson is a better right back than Wraith Rovers have uh, I think Tom O'Brien might be the best centre half in the division and Bobby Lynn would get in the, the Wraith Rovers team I think there's other players that are there or thereabouts mm-hmm. and I think I'd brought are a very good team I think they're the best part time team in that league but I think player for player, Rafe probably have the best, the best squad and the best stand of. I think um, to add to that, there have been concerns about Arbroath. Even the games they've been winning, that their midfield just seems to get bypassed too easily on occasion. And <clears throat> I think it'll be interesting to see one if they stick with a four four two with Watley and Swanky in the centre for this game at the weekend, and uh, two how they cope with Wraith because I'd imagine um, McGlynn will go with the same if not similar lineup with Vaughn just behind uh, Nesbitt and that means it'll be two against two in the middle and, and it, I mean it sounds like it's set up for Vaughn to kind of run riot yeah. that. so it'll be interesting to see how, how that goes because Adbos midfield is looks like an attacking midfield it's yeah. not a midfield that looks particularly defensive Danny Denham said a couple of weeks ago and that, was it yourself that asked him is there, a, is there a particular opponent that you dislike coming up against and he said you know a full back that, that likes to get forward mm-hmm. so he'll be up against presumably he'll be up against uh, Callum Crane who's a full back who likes to get forward and also Nathan Flanagan is very attack minded on that side as well so both, 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 yeah. both were very good at the yeah. weekend so it sounds like you know he might have a, a day that he's described as, as generally quite difficult for him I think if Wraith can find a way to keep Bobby Lynn quiet on the left hand side Wallace and McKenna look like a, a, a decent duo up front. Uh, Wallace especially, he's got five goals this season. And I don't know, I, I know the SPFL website now has this stats page. Uh, I, I don't know how accurate it is, but it says he's been involved in ten goals this season with uh, five goals and five assists. So I think if you can keep Lynn and, and Wallace quiet, then I would expect Wraith to win. However, football has this strange thing where there's sometimes quite a lot of symmetry. So... Arbroath went I think they went more than 12 calendar months unbeaten away from home and uh, Wraith beat them roughly this time last season and that, that knackered their fantastic away record yeah. I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if Arbroath now scupper Wraith's fantastic home record and the, and the booze rain down <laughs> they had a good record that starts last season as well uh, yes yeah, they did they got a I think there was a, I think it, 
Four I points think. from six, I think. Uh, That's what I've got here. No, was it not a draw and a win? Uh, no, Wraith won one, and oh. but only just, if I remember correctly. It was a tough game, and then our both equalised in the very last minute. One completely wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> but they played well. <laughs> one thing that possibly may have to consider going on is that it's been mentioned on uh, Craig, uh, Craig G. Telfer's uh, Pelly podcast when he's interviewed uh, some players from the lower leagues. I think Danny uh, mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when he was on the show was that with part-time teams if it's, it can go well to start with the season but when it does get back to the um, to the winter winter months and you're training at nights a couple of nights a week, uh, couple of days a week and it gets yeah. colder the pitches don't get uh, the pitches get cut up and if they've got lone players from uh, higher up is that some part-time teams can can begin to struggle whereas Brave will have that advantage of being full time. I mean, I remember a couple of years back, maybe three seasons ago now. So uh, I think Dunfermline might have been the only full time team in the division at that point. But I remember maybe up until about November, Air United were giving them a particularly good challenge. I think Air led the league for for maybe a couple of months uh, that season. But yeah, maybe it got to December and January at that point, Dunfermline just pulled away. So yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that Danny's absolutely spot on. That can have an effect. The other, uh, there's been a surprise addition to the. To the League One title race, <laughs> East Fife. So it, it looked like it was going to it was a case of Arbroath, uh, Arbroath and Rafe Rovers, but now three points behind Rafe. So Rafe are four behind Arbroath, three behind um, three behind <coughs> Rafe are East Fife, who have who didn't win. Uh, they failed to win. Uh, they lost eleven games in a row. Yeah, they failed to win their first four. Uh, in the league, going back won, in the last season, won the, won the last four. If you go back in the last season, they uh, they they lost eleven games in a row, and then recently they've now I've got here. I'm trying to think exactly. So they've won won the last six. So yes, yeah, so no, one last four of the last eight. Sorry, of the last eight in all competitions, they've won six, drawn one, and lost one. Yeah, and before that, they had lost eleven in a row. If you include Betfred, yes, cup penalty yeah. defeats. Um, so what's what's brought around the turnaround? He's made a few changes. He's did I speak over you there? No, 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 bad. <laughs> He's like Darren Young. Darren Young, yeah. yeah. So he looked like he was one of the next managers to leave uh, not so long ago, and now, now, uh, as you say, I mean, I, I don't think they'll keep up a title race, but they're definitely they're up there for now. Um, he's got a new strike partnership in Dowds and Court. He's brought in. He's moved Agnew into the centre midfield. He's moved Slattery to left back. I don't think I've ever seen a number eight play left back before, but you could correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Daryl Meggett's been moved into the centre of defence and has been really good there. Uh, Dunsmore's been pushed from right back into right midfield and. Yeah, they've been brilliant, and now it's given them a stronger bench as well, which they've been using to good effect recently. They've been uh, uh, players like uh, Ross Dunlop can't get into the team now because uh, Chris Kane's come in uh, when he got injured and played so well, um, and Court and Dowds. Uh, aren't scoring a lot of goals between them at the moment but they're keeping their place because it's a women, winning formula they're two very hard working strikers and then Rory Curry's coming on and as was highlighted in the, the last I think it was maybe the, the Patreon uh, episode by uh, Telfer he said that Rory Curry's now scored four goals off the bench in his last four matches and he's played 60 odd minutes in total uh, while doing so so it was uh, I looked I got asked to do it for the evening news to uh, to look at it, and the sixties played sixty one games. It's uh, sixty one games, sixty one minutes. But it's hard to figure out how many minutes added on in stoppage time. Yeah, there's, there's that's, one, that's why I said sixty odd. Yeah, yeah. there was one where he, uh, where he scored, scored in fourth minute, fourth ninety fifth minute. So it was so it was somewhere around between fifteen and May. He's been scoring a goal every fifth between every fifteen twenty minutes. Uh, it, for the last of the last games and they're, they're quite decisive goals as well there's been a couple of winners like there's uh, one winner scored the winner against Airdrie Airdrie and Partick Thistle in Thistle the, yeah that was a kick started his, uh, his yeah. run yeah. and then he scored two goals which have kind of sealed the wins yeah. one of them was at the weekend from a, a penalty rebound I think although from what I've heard is that the penalty was there was an argument between Agnew yeah, and right, Doherty yeah, Doherty. yeah that's right yeah Agnew's the penalty taker yeah. basically and Doherty wrestled it off him yeah. and then missed because that invariably happens <laughs> when two players yeah. argue over a penalty I mean I, to be honest I presumed after the, the poor start that Young would, would have been uh, getting his jotters at some point and East Fife are quite an interesting example that occasionally comes along where 
So, so I remember Craig Telford mentioned it last season when I was saying that the fans were so unhappy about Smithard at the end of last season I should say and Craig Telford said but if it hadn't been for Vaughan striking the post with the last kick of the ball Wraith Rovers would have won the league so it seems a bit harsh that you would all want with the Smith and, but there's obviously like, there was far more reasons than that and in terms of East Fife you, you looked at East Fife and when I think East Fife I think of a team that's probably maybe a, a half decent bottom tier club or maybe a mid table third tier club so last season they finished six. Uh, they were about 11 points clear of relegation zone and maybe 11 points behind Shrinrad in fifth so you think surely when you think of Darren Young that's that's probably the job done but these five fans weren't happy and you know quite right you should you know aspire to do better and I suppose they now have the example of you know so Cowden Beath you know done pretty well in the second tier Dumbarton done well in the second tier uh, you know they've, they've had examples of part time teams doing well Last season as well, they were always a club that kind of used to play as if they had the kind of handbrake one. So it was always one up front, uh, dug in, fairly stodgy to watch, not particularly exciting. And I think also in amongst, so as much as a sixth place finish, they probably would have accepted that at the start of the season. There was a 5-0 kind of whitewash from Wraith Rovers at home, which was the worst uh, defeat uh, to Wraith Rovers in their history. And there was also that really embarrassing defeat to Brora, I think it was, in the Scottish Cup. So as much as... 5-0 against someone else as well, I can't uh, remember who. Yeah, no, I think you're right, there was a heavy defeat, probably to A, kind of muddy and everybody left, right and centre. So as much as a sixth place finished, kind of seemed fair enough, it did, you know, these five fans were uh, completely fed up with them. Now, whether this is just uh, a kind of positive blip and then these five can yeah. go back to the, to kind of revert to their means, I don't know. But I do think they've got, I think they've got decent depth there, as you alluded to, and they lost so many players that, that, that did a job for East Fife last season that I thought they, they're really going to struggle here so uh, so Duggan got about 15 goals joined Wraith uh, half their team seemed to join Airdrie so Kyle Wilkie went to Airdrie uh, Jonathan Page centre half went to Airdrie uh, Kieran Miller uh, was a, a, a kind of real miss in the middle of the park he went to Airdrie and then Mark Lamont went to Shinran now these are guys five guys that played such a big role in them managing to finish six last mm-hmm. season but you actually look at who they've brought in and Certainly at the start of the season, it, it seems to be a bit of an upgrade. I mean, Aaron Dowds came from Harriet Watt. Yeah. The, 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 the picture that they used of Aaron Dowds when they signed him, it, it couldn't have been a worse picture. He he was carrying a, a bit of lumber and it appeared like he was uh, running as fast as he could into some wind. So the strip uh, was stretched tight over his belly and he was quite jowly as he was running <laughs> the picture. So when that sign was announced, I just burst out laughing. I thought, he is not going to be a good player. Uh, he has been a good player, so as usual, uh, I know nothing. Uh, Daryl Meggett, the, the other players, interestingly, that have signed, almost all of them have come for clubs whose fans wished that they'd stayed. So I think Alloa fans would have liked Daryl Meggett to stay. I think uh, Ray fans would like to have seen Johnny Court given another season because he's a big physical nuisance up front. Uh, Scott Agnew would get a game for most teams in the third tier. I think he's an excellent uh, midfielder. I think Stennis Muir fans would have preferred Ross Dunlop to, to hang around. And I think Brecon fans would have preferred uh, Liam Watt to, to stick around. He uh, plays on the, the left wing. So I think in terms of his uh, his kind of acquisitions, he's done very well. And I, I think they are a better team than last season. As much as I thought when I seen those guys leaving that they, they were going to struggle. I, I don't think they will. Whether they'll stay in the playoff places, I'm not so sure. But he's at least, he's, as you say, uh, he's now playing two up front. So kind of automatically these five fans are uh, a lot happier. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was I was leaving a pause there just in case I don't I don't want to interrupt anyone just in case they were going to make a, a secondary point. We'll move on to just because the team. We'll move on uh, time. Sorry, we'll move on to League Two, where we will talk about Edinburgh City first. We'll leave uh, we'll leave the negativity to the end because it's uh, it's more fun. So Edinburgh City eight games played in League seven wins and a draw top of the table. They finished ninth last season. It's been some turnaround. Uh, yeah, night and day. I don't know. If, I mean, I've been watching. Uh, I've certainly watched the last couple of games uh, highlights from Edinburgh City, and I have been uh, particularly impressed. So they've never really had. Off the top of my head, I don't think they've ever really had a goal scorer since they came into the the league. They've possibly now got two. Uh, Blair Henderson uh, started the season really well. He's never. He hasn't always scored goals wherever he's been. He scored a lot of goals for Berwick, uh, but he seems to be recapturing his Berwick form for Edinburgh. Double figures for Annan last yeah. season. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, and Scott Shepherd, as much as I like Falkirk fans, never really rated him. Mm. Uh, I think dropping two divisions. Uh, yeah, it's two tiers above, and he's still a young player as yeah. well. Uh, and of course, they probably have the best defender in the league, mm-hmm. in Conrad Balatoni. Mm-hmm. I suppose, though, it's as much as they've got, looks like they've got goal scorers, they've probably got the best centre half, uh, midfield wise. If you're thinking that their main rivals are going to be Peterhead and uh, Peterhead and Clyde, 
arguably have the best midfield uh, of those three teams as well. Graham Taylor looks like a, a pretty exceptional find from uh, Dungeon United. I, I, I think he's more a central player for United, but he's been playing on the left. Mm-hmm. He's looked excellent the last couple of weeks and scored uh, certainly scored one fantastic goal against uh, Queen's Park. Danny Handling has shown up pretty well on the right. Again, a player who struggled at Hibs, struggled at Wraith, struggled at Dumbarton. He's now dropped down to, well, as low a level as he can in the SPFL, but he's looking particularly good. Uh, and then in the middle, they've got Andy Black, who they got from Stirling Albion. Mm-hmm. He, I thought he looked pretty, uh, pretty good in the highlights, driving on uh, from midfield. And then they've got Mark Laird, but they've still got Josh Walker, uh, who wasn't playing at the weekend as well. So a long-term in- injury. Right, OK, well, yeah. that explains that one then. Yeah. So I was, I was about to say that they also have uh, other guys that can come in, but obviously not if he's uh, if he's. So I think he, reading uh, James McDonough, the, the manager, has, uh, I'm sure he is long-term as in New Year. Uh, he's a captain. But going, going back to the weekend's game, first of all, the Edinburgh City highlights are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good quality, um, you've got a good angle, uh, You're not. it's not been filmed um, in Leaf. And Commentary. Especially commentary The the game against County Beef It seemed as if It was like a scene From Mighty Ducks Where uh, Goldberg Gets tied <laughs> to the goals And they're all uh, Edinburgh State Are just shooting Shooting pucks at And McGurn was, was was there I counted On highlights alone So the highlights Were on for Nine minutes He had eleven saves yeah. It was It was Edinburgh Versus McGurn in, Including yeah. the penalty It was a fantastic Save from penalty as well And then there was A particularly uh, Wonderful save In the first half From a header mm-hmm. From a corner I think it was reminiscent of if you go on to Telemies Pele the Twitter I think they showed one of his one of his best saves yeah. and it was kind of Gordon Banks-esque uh, he always uh, McGurn always had very strong wrists he was always very good <laughs> at getting down to those low ones but, but he's, he's really quite, he, he doesn't look like I know we're maybe talk about Edinburgh City but we'll have a bit of my girl living he doesn't look the most agile when you look at him but he but neither, did Andy, neither did Andy Gorham no, to be but fair <laughs> but he was but they both were <laughs> and, in, they, and, and in his defence he is also now somewhat advancing in years I think he must be 38, maybe 38 think, yeah. something like that are you going to his yeah. testimonial or is it or, I was there oh, is, 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 I was there it was uh, oh. a week past Sunday did you run on the pitch and hug him uh, no but he did score a penalty but he had to take it twice <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what happened with the first one uh, he I think it was saved saved and I, the referee, it's ironic, it's ironic that. <laughs> the referee found a reason to make him take it again. That's brilliant. Yeah, so but, that just oh, sorry to bring you, but no, just, it right. just sounds sorry for others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go go back to let, let's let's see. Yeah, back to I mean say. as Sean's already pointed out, there they have a they have a very good front four, and they have Alan Smith on the bench as well, who's not who I think was bought as a starting striker, who, or who started the season up front with Billy Henderson, mm-hmm. uh, but who who hasn't been able to get a start at the moment. Um, McDonough's sticking with the same team because they keep winning basically but um, when you look at it it's actually the defence has been uh, the, the big success story this season they um, they've the, the top four have all scored a similar amount of goals and Edinburgh say actually have the best defensive record across all four leagues they've only conceded three goals uh, across eight games um, so yeah and like as, as you pointed out Balotoni probably the best in the league not only that but he could probably play in at least a tier yeah. above what he's playing at the moment as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean him and Liam Henderson, who I, I actually thought before the season started was a was a midfielder. I could have sworn I saw him play midfield for Cowdenbeath, maybe not the last season, but the season before. See, he used to be Hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. youngster for Hearts. Yeah. He was playing at Sterling something Sterling. I think you're on Sterling Uni, possibly. What's their name? I may have it here actually, but I, I. So he's been playing centre half ways. He's a very, very tall player. He's been playing uh, <coughs> alongside him, and then yeah, Danny Handling plays on the right. Uh, he likes to drift in a lot, but then they have Craig Thompson, who's really great at bombing forward as well. And again, he's probably playing uh, partly because of his history, but he's uh, playing. At, I'm going to say level it's fully because of his history. <laughs> he's he's playing a level below what he's he's probably capable of as well. You can see from he's like, a little shit though. Yeah, he's, uh, he's he was a, he's a captain. You can see from the highlights that he's crossing. He's crossing abilities. He's, he's still there. He and um, the other left back McIntyre, the other fullback, sorry, McIntyre, take the set pieces, take the the corners and stuff. Touching on when you said Thompson was a little shit, um, I, I Sterling I, Lions. There you go. Is that the Sterling unity? Lions. Uh, I'm not sure. 
Right, okay. Sorry, Joe. No, no, I was just saying that Thompson at the weekend um, reacted to some uh, some criticism, or, or not maybe not criticism, uh, abuse uh, given out by the, the, the County Meath. I think he's a target for other teams. The same thing happened to Hamden a couple of weeks ago. He's, uh, I think he's a target for other teams. Like, I wonder um, why. <laughs> I wonder, wonder why. The, the, the thing I, I, I thought watching Edinburgh's uh, highlights is, and we spoke about last season when we were uh, talking about air, they look like they're a quite a fun team to watch as in plenty of width play decent football plenty of goal scoring chances okay so they maybe didn't take all the them hardly any of them on, uh, on Saturday but they, they created so many chances although they'd be quite decent to watch this season they've, they've definitely got I think McDonough used a wanted and still a attacking philosophy in in the team it's taken him a while I think he's had to do a lot of, I think he's shifted out not a lot not just a lot of players but staff and he's brought in his own own, own people because obviously he finished ninth last it's year not even a year he's been there though. So he no took, it's he a year took, later this month yeah I think, exactly yeah. so he took over um, after the season started yeah. last season so it does take time sometimes to... you, you mentioned about the attacking uh, the, the, their attacking play he did I mean he's talked about Balotoni singled him out recently yeah. uh, saying just because he's got vast experience and has a camel influence on the younger boys I was looking for a player of that ilk and was surprised we got him because he's still got many good, year le- many good years left in him I just knew he'd be a vital piece of the jug saw and he's not let us down at all his attitude is terrific he organises the team and he's been influential on the pitch the uh, there's, there's definitely a suggestion that he could certainly be playing League 1 or higher yeah, I mean, he's only, I think Balotelli's only about 28, yeah, so no, absolutely, definitely. Well, is it, is it Blair Henderson, is he their, their key yes. striker? Yeah. So what's, there's, is there an interesting story around him? Just be, I think at the start of the season he said that he wanted, I think he scored 14 for Aaron last season, and he, he's basically wanted, I think he's set a higher target for himself 20, I think he's every set, season, yeah. and this season at the start he said 20, and I think he got some, he said it in the press, and I think some of his uh, teammates behind the scenes kind of like uh, bantered them over it and then um, I think the first game he scored a hat-trick yeah. and they were kind of saying so he scored the first one and like oh it's just 19 to go and then he scored the second one oh it's just 18 to go and he scored 8 goals now oh is it 9 goals I think he scored he's 11 and all 11 and sorry do you know what he's, and he scored them across a 9 go- uh, nine game period as well he hasn't scored in the last 2 games or something but before that he had 11 goals in 9 games or something like that so he's well on his way to getting the, the 20 and the strange thing is as well of the 14 that he scored for Annan last season I think he scored almost all of them from about December onwards I think up until about Christmas he maybe had one maybe two and he scored the vast majority of them in the, the second half of the season so certainly in his last kind of calendar year he's been absolutely prolific since we're uh, banding numbers about I'm going to give you another one 38 that's how many words were in Sterling Albums, Albion's statement to Saturday McKay <laughs> before we move on I was just saying the, <laughs> yeah, go, go sorry on. just the one statement yeah, I just, it was the first leg first leg the battle really it was really good it was really good uh, James McDonough I just want to say he comes across as very impressive uh, he seems like very confident <clears throat> he was, and very assured of himself yeah. um, he was highly thought of when he left Hibs yep. Uh, became part of Houston's backroom staff at Falkirk and uh, this is his first man- management job and yeah it, like I say he comes across as quite an impressive figure and I don't think it's um, I don't think it's surprising that he's doing pretty well with City at the moment sorry for ruining your life no 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 that's, that, that's good just to know that um, it'll be good for Houston to go and watch Edinburgh City so he knows what attacking football looks like <laughs> Uh, so yeah, go, going back to <laughs> that was that was quite necessary, wasn't it? <laughs> going back to uh, Sterling Albion. So they just they put on a, a other website. Sterling Albion have this uh, this evening part company with manager Dave Mackay with media effect. We'd like to thank Dave for his efforts during his time at Fourth Bank and wish him all the very best for the future. That was it. And he, I mean, when he took over, I think it was November. Was it November uh, two thousand sixteen? He took over. They were yes, it would have been sixteen. They were, they were fairly lowly uh, in the table, and they were they were eight points outside the promotion playoffs, and ended up five points outside the promotion playoffs. So you know he, he pushed them a couple of places up the league, but he, you know that first season wasn't a roaring success. Last season, his, his first full season, I, I quite fancied still in Albion, and I thought they had a decent squad last year, and I thought they, they were the challenge. They, they they ended up in the playoff spots, but it was a really weird season. So they started. It was basically. They had a, a vastly different quarter mm-hmm. for per nine. So the first nine games, uh, they won seven. They barely won at all the next quarter. The third quarter, again, they won seven of nine. And then they, they ended the season uh, really, really, really poorly. And so then he, were huckled at the playoffs. Yeah, he got, uh, Mackay got the August player, the, uh, sorry, I managed the, uh, manager the month, 12 months last year. And that was when they were being kind of heralded as title challengers. And like I said, by March they were sitting third, 
Uh, they had a 12-point cushion over Elgin, who were outside the outside the playoffs. They did end up finishing third. However, when you look at their form for the last few months, the last 22 competitive games, they've won three. I don't think it helped matters. Uh, the immediately kind of fell away when they lost two they were on a, a really good streak and I think they lost two was it Lothian Thistle they lost in the Scottish Cup I think they lost 5-3 and then they went on a particularly poor run uh, after that I don't think losing uh, Callum Morrison uh, helped matters mm-hmm. he was on loan at the club until January he went back to Hearts but then he went Brecon. he was loaned out again straight away to, to, to Brecon I didn't think I didn't think I, I thought he was I, I thought his jacket was on a shookly peg I didn't think it was that shookly I think if they'd maybe lost Say narrowly to another team in the league on on Saturday there, he, may, he maybe still would be in a job. I think the fact that they're getting annihilated by Albion Rovers uh, possibly was uh, the, the final straw. The guys that he brought in this season, I mean, he brought in ten players. The vast majority of them haven't worked. There was four kind of reasonable names in there. Uh, Jason Ma, uh, centre half, that came from Albion Rovers, was very good at, at Alawa, wasn't quite so good at Albion Rovers, and hasn't been that much of a success uh, this season for Stirling Albion. Uh, Jordan Allen came in from left back and has done uh, sorry from Elgin and has done okay at left back. Mark Stewart, who I thought would score goals, mm-hmm. bear in mind he was in the Championship just a couple of years back. Uh, it doesn't look like he's been playing up front though, and certainly at the weekend he was. Has he been playing as a back uh, as part of a back two and a two three five. <laughs> No, nothing that revolutionary. <laughs> he came in for the game at the weekend, didn't he? Did he yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, well, but what I saw, it looked like he was getting played out wide, though. Right, with okay, Peter right, McDonald and I think it was Kevin Fell was it was the, okay. the, the kind of striking partnership. And uh, Danny Jardin was brought in from St. Johnson. Jardin came in on loan uh, last season and, and done particularly well. And he plays alongside Kevin Moon in the middle of the park. So again, there is a kind of basis there uh, for a decent team. I didn't really fancy Stone Albion this season. Uh, I didn't think he'd be doing as poorly as they were so yeah it probably isn't that surprising uh, that he's out of a job and honestly to be honest when you kind of go back and review the job that he's done because at certain points he's had plaudits and you know you know, Mackay's went in there and, and done particularly well but actually when you analyse it a bit further he probably hasn't done that that well for a team that's expected to kind of get out of that division absolutely yeah absolutely yeah I very much uh, suggest going looking at the Terrace Podcast timeline on Twitter for the gif of the opening goal for uh, the Albion Rovers against Sterling it was was it Callum Ferry is that, who's, who's the goalkeeper Ferry f- Callum Ferry yeah. Callum Ferry yeah uh, he actually looked like he was actively looking uh, to hit the player it was it was almost he, he, he saw the player coming I'm going to line it up <laughs> this will get him set yeah <laughs> but you can see just at the bottom of the screen the, the one of the people on the the, the, the bench the Sterling bench <laughs> <laughs> put their hands on their head right away <laughs> And there was, a, there was a group of five, I think five or six Sterling fans behind that goal. Uh, and I think one of them was, as the as the McLear was going through uh, to score, was kind of making his way down the steps to berate the goalkeeper. <laughs> I just want to finish by asking, before, uh, before finish up and move on to uh, the Patreon, where is where Sterling's natural place in Scotland? Well, you talked about East Fife, where they would, they would fit in the kind of... But in the divisions, where where, where to start on Albion? Up until recently, I would probably have said a mid to lower third tier team. Okay. Uh, they, they, it wasn't that long ago they were in the second tier, uh, kind of mid two thousands. Maybe maybe slightly yeah, later in the last in the last thirteen in the last thirteen seasons. That's all I can find on Wikipedia because uh, it's in a rush. They've been in, they've been in the second tier twice. Yeah, but they, they are kind of slowly starting to slip down, and they're, yeah. they're now they're now almost an established bottom tier team. Is it kind of similar to Clyde in that way? Uh, similar to Clyde, I would argue that Clyde are a bigger team than Southern Ireland, but yeah, very similar. But uh, none of the um, nastiness of Clyde? Uh, well, they're, they're not bad eggs. They're not bad eggs, uh, unlike Clyde. <laughs> uh, that was, since Craig G. Telvers there, that, that, was, that was our uh, version, <laughs> quick version of uh, Body on Crows. <laughs> That's it uh, for the, the show. Thank you very much for listening. We uh, will be back on, on Monday for the, the, the main show, but we're going to do Patreon just now. I think I just pronounced it uh, differently <laughs> earlier on, as usual. We're going to talk about the Betfred Cup fallout. Just our, we're not going to delve in too deep. We're just going to pick out our favourite moments and our favourite takes. And then we're also going to talk about... Uh, 
I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> Scottish footballers within uh, uh, re- rewrite, Scot- rewrite movie roles for Scottish footballers. Well, I've 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 not picked one footballer in my in my team. I've just done uh, Scottish football individuals. I've got a mixture of footballers and pundits. That's good. Uh, so yeah, we're going to do that on uh, the, the, the Patreon. So <laughs> be be sure to tune into that. Anything else? No. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If I get back around to doing it, uh, something went up today. On Instagram, was it not you? Oh, well, somebody put something up on Instagram today. Someone's hacked it. <laughs> <laughs> Never look at that. And <laughs> or unless I don't have been drunk earlier, I don't know. <laughs> and we've got our email is terracepodcast at gmail Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you. Thank you for coming through to Edinburgh Creek. No worries. Pleasure. And from me, you're welcome. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.